felt like I just laid tons of groundwork that was unshakable. Mm-hmm. And here you came along being like, yeah, I don't know if natural theology works. Like, w- excuse me, mate, because that's what's holding everything up. Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. What? Sorry, just your face during that intro is very much exploring big ideas. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, trying to That's good. That's liven good. it up for the the viewers, not just the audience. Yeah, the listeners. people in the car, they don't know. Right. You got to see this on YouTube sometime. Right. Well, uh, we've been given uh, a number of comments and questions having to do with uh, spirituality, mm. faith, quote unquote deconstruction, mm-hmm. which has taken on a bit of some baggage, I sure. think, of late. But yeah. Um, we just keep hearing that more and more. And this podcast has uh, a pretty wide berth of topics that we mm-hmm. touch on. We're not always relating it to uh, the life of faith. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of you listen to it um, for that reason. And we just so happen to go into these different topics sometimes. But the real reason you are with us on this part of this community is for that. Yeah. Or because you have started in some small corner of your worldview, you've started examining your beliefs a little more closely and turning the gem on them a little bit and figuring out why, okay, this this bit of mental furniture has been chilling in my mind, in my heart, in influencing my behavior and decisions for however many years. Why is this here? How did this get here? Mm-hmm. Do I have good reasons for believing this? And certainly if you come from a a tradition, like a, a religious tradition, or whether it's Christianity or Catholicism, something like that, those have probably been instilled from a young age. And then and then it, turning over those rocks can have huge implications for how the rest of the mental furniture is structured. Mm-hmm. And definitely on the big questions that relate to like meaning of life, existence of God, what are we actually here for? Um, if you start to find the foundation to be less certain than you thought, it can be really distressing actually to do that sort of self-inventory and explanation, uh, exploration rather. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've hoped, uh, we say this a bunch, but we've hoped that this podcast would be one place that you might be able to find solidarity, that you're not the only person asking these kinds of questions. You're not the only one who is finding that their belief structure no longer makes room for their experience of the world and something's got to give. And tragically, a lot of faith communities are precisely the among the worst places yeah. to explore these questions. Uh, you right, might be faced man. with- Dude, that's so sad. Pretty severe ostracism, mm-hmm. uh, ridicule. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just have faith, just believe. Yeah. Um, it's the enemy trying to attack you. Yep. Now, well, I will say, I, I would hope that I hope that if you would have someone in your life who might have the maturity to um, applaud you for some of your doubts and enter into conversations with you, but it's not even clear who those people might be in your life at first. Like there's sort of this feeling out that can happen. How safe is this person uh, for me to really tell them what I think? How, or ask how have these you questions? been doing that of late? What does that look like for you now? I. Uh, What's that dance you go through to see if someone... It's funny, actually. Can take on yeah. your questions. Um, it's funny. If you guys are listening to this, you'll know I'm talking about you. But I had a conversation even recently where it was clear a couple of people who have been listening to the show and, and have questions about 
theology and deconstruction and whatnot were trying to get a feel from me of like, how safe am I? I don't think they knew exactly mm-hmm. where I stand. And Because um, you work at a church. I work at a church, yeah, yes. and have <laughs> grown up in the church. And I've swung, I mean, the spectrum, the theological spectrum, I'm pretty familiar with most of it in terms of I would have say, said I occupied some place on that spectrum throughout my life. So mm-hmm. from hardcore reformed, like um, Calvinistic, all the way through to universalist. I've I've explored it all and flirted with it all, you know. Yep. But I'm not I'm not super upfront about exactly how I've come to think about certain things necessarily these days. And so there's some feeling out that needs to happen. And for for us in this conversation, it ended up being I dropped a name, an, an author's name, Richard Raw, and and that was an indicator that like, oh okay, he's familiar oh, with you know Ra- him. Okay. Oh, you know about Richard Raw. Okay, <laughs> all right. I guess we can talk to you then. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that you would you would hope that the church would be a play. I mean, okay. Hmm. If in the church, what up. we're trying to do is talk about matters of utmost importance, what matters most? And for many of us, the answer is like Jesus and the implications of his life, teachings, death, ministry, resurrection, uh, whether or not God exists, how you should orient yourself in the world. Those are like the big questions. And it's, it's sad that... Uh, there's some questions it seems like you're not allowed to ask in the church. Like, like for example, if if we think that this this Bible, this uh, collection of books, this is what all our teaching is based on, um, and when a guest walks through the door, they're handed an NIV Bible, a particular translation, a particular canon selection of books, mm-hmm. and it would be nice if we felt like we had total freedom to ask, how did we get this? collection of books and, and why do we think this is inspired and why do we think it's authoritative and mm-hmm. who decided the canon was closed and and all of that. Those are legitimate questions that you should ask, I think. But man, there's a lot of churches that don't want you to ask those questions. And it's not necessarily because they're trying to hide something, I don't think. But when there is this structure of an organization that's been built around these certain um, status quo and ways of thinking about things, if you start putting your pry bar under the foundation there, it threatens the whole thing to come crumbling down. Mm-hmm. So there is Are you saying there. there's no that's then we shouldn't be surprised then that certain churches would have this more I th- yeah. defensive attitude. I want to say sort of the more the structure is that's been built up around it in terms of staff and positions and titles and um and giving and all of that, there's more that could there's more, it seems, at stake if it turns out some of the ideas that it's built on mm-hmm. aren't as important or aren't the way we thought they were. So that there's interest in preserving the status quo to keep the whole thing going. Wow, interesting. I, I kind of... Th- you don't have that intuition? No, you're right. I think, I think that does play into it. I, my mind more went to less like the structural yep. external things, but more of the internal mm. that it's a threat. Like, don't... You're you're walking on thin ice by asking that question theologically. Yes, like you've you've stepped out into a part of the lake that is a little bit more prone to cracking. We've seen people fall through it before. We don't want you oh, to like be an, the next one. Like an, a fear of you walking away from the faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, and and so it's interesting there, mm. which just makes the whole thing just complicated. Is I think a lot of times, most maybe, it's born out of a genuine desire for you the questioner like on my part i i do not want 
something bad to befall you. Yeah. Don't ask too many questions or you might walk away, end up unsaved and go to hell. Mm -hmm. So best to avoid that. Just tamp your questions down, keep them to yourself. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and that sometimes, a lot of times I, I would think that those same people are kind of running this calculus of not sure if you're saved anymore. Yep. You know? <laughs> That's right. By what you've just said. That's right. Certain sentences can suddenly change the way people look at you. Yeah, very uh, easily. I think uh, I might be botching this, but I think in politics or is it politic is it politics or just culture? There's this thing called the Overton window, hmm. which is I think it's meant to refer to the range of acceptable questions or topics in oh, perfect. in polite society, let's say. Yeah. And so when something goes out it's interesting what things are outside of the window and how it shifts over time. Yeah. Uh so like I think what Sometimes uh, what's that's used in politics is something that would have been considered liberal or democratic 10 years ago is now in the middle. Yeah. So the Overton window has shifted. Yeah. Uh, I think there has been a shift of the religious Overton window on questioning. Mm -hmm. Questioning is being encouraged more. I see that trend. And... Uh, we've whitelisted some questions you're allowed to ask now. Yes. In most churches, and and it's and it's prized as oh we're a church that asks questions. So uh, is Genesis one literal, literal or not? Yeah. So like oh man we're getting deep and asking the big questions. <laughs> Whereas I don't think that would have been the case 50 years ago. Fair enough. And now we are, which is good. You should be able to ask that absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that that is like. That to me is like a token evidence, like we're a church that asks questions when, but there are still some that are outside the window. You just can't. Yep. And I get it. The, Could we still, what, couldn't I, couldn't we all still be Jesus followers and Christians if I didn't believe in Trinity? Yeah. Or what does it look like to be um, a Jesus follower and not think Jesus is God? Does yeah. that still work? Right. Right. And like you can't ask. You can't it. ask. Don't even ask that. No. Don't even think it. I'm upset you just asked it. <laughs> or, or at the very least, that, the question would be entertained yeah. in any robust way in a long conversation. It'd be like, oh, no, that's just not the teaching of the church. Right. Oh. Well, going back to the window thing and people looking at you differently, I understand like we have these, our brains have these, I guess, time-saving mechanisms where we're trying to classify objects and people and put them into sort of conceptual boxes. Like I look at you on some level, my brain sees ally, you know, like mm -hmm. that's just present when I look at you uh, and certain other people in my life that's, mm -hmm. that's present there. And then there's other people, I would look at them and something goes off and says threat. Something about them or the idea, the language they've used, the whatever it is, they suddenly are outside my box of safe. I understand you and you've just proven yourself to be more complex than I thought. I think there's something similar that happens in these theological conversations where we're all on the same page and we think we know which box the other person is in, Team Jesus and, yes, a fellow brother in Christ and all that. And then you ask a question that's outside that window and it's like suddenly uh, you're seen as an outsider or not on Team, not quite sure if you're on Team Jesus anymore, not sure if I can view you as an ally, not mm. sure if you're safe. And I do think it has to do with... What is that? Why does that shift in some people? I think it has to do with complexity. Recognizing, like, when I put you in a box, 
I'm doing that to simplify our interaction. I'm taking a bunch of stuff about you for granted that mm. I don't have to think about because I know he's in the Christian box. So I can assume he believes in the authority of Scripture and I can assume he believes in X, Y, Z, whatever it happens to be. Mm. And when you... It's jarring when, when you, you go that. outside those bounds, you are suddenly showing yourself to be more complex than I thought, which demands more from me to interact with you. Mm-hmm. And it potentially highlights that things are more complex than I have allowed myself to appreciate. I have simplified certain theological issues and sort of put them on a mental shelf, mm-hmm. thinking it's a simple answer that I've held since I was five, and and that's it, done deal. And to to be confronted with the true complexity of this experience we're all having is, uh, it can be distressing for sure. So, so I don't know if you felt that, um, I mean, you've had some pretty difficult conversations, at least in the last few years, with people who would think pretty differently than you on stuff. Have you mm-hmm. seen this, where people's, you see the way they look at you change? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You can see it in the countenance. There's just something that changes. Yeah, um, an energetic shift. <laughs> yeah, a number of times, particularly when I first came on staff at a church, mm-hmm. I was coming from academia, taught at a university for a couple of years as like a, instructor you know I, I have I'm not a professor yet you know I was mm-hmm. trying to earn my doctorate and they let you teach classes and in that setting uh, clarity forthrightness mm-hmm. uh, bluntness even to try to get at what's what's the heart of the matter mm-hmm. for this philosophical topic let's not beat around the bush right let's get right to it and here's the claim and here's the evidence and let's assess it on its merits and come what may let truth reign Mm-hmm. is at least in principle like the spirit of the university and the philosophical project. Um, I don't know if it's always that way in the church. Maybe there are some out there that are doing that and maybe it's maybe it's good that it's not. I'm still trying to work that out, what the, mm-hmm. the norms are for church world and if they're equally good as this other venue of university. But in, in church land and meeting with people, uh, I got burned a ton when I first started doing pastoral work because I brought that academia attitude. Like, Complete oh yeah, well, forthrightness. well this is, these are the problems with penal substitution and yeah. I get why someone might think of it this way, but here's this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? What? <laughs> you know, they, they would have, I think some folks would have like equated that with, well, that's just the gospel. Are you against the gospel? Right. Oh, no. Yeah. And I just got into the um, weeds. Well, just that it's more complex then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that, and then um, just, I think that uh, role of them seeing you as their pastor and that level of influence that they are ready to give you in their life. Yep. They are more wary of doing that if you say something. Or if you express uncertainty about something. Right. Yeah. And so they just become a bit more leery, I yep. suppose. Whereas that wouldn't really happen with your professor. Yeah. You might just think, oh, that's crazy Professor Clint. He has this weird idea, but I like him as a teacher and I learned a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so there was never really a huge cost, at least while I was there, for um, presenting a number of different ideas in a classroom. Right. But there almost there assuredly is at in the a church. church. Yeah. Part of that, I think, has to do with a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there's a list of beliefs at a church that apparently to be at least be a member or on be on staff and probably attend. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit bizarre 
in my opinion, to like attend a church where you would disagree with most of the statement of faith, most of given the, sure. all the options out there. Well, that's what I was going to say is there are so many churches out there, each one having a varying statement of faith with different mm-hmm. things that they're deeming to be central and different things are peripheral and they've got their own wording and all of that. Um, I So I'm wondering... But yeah, but to your point, I yes, I've seen it happen in real time. The, mm-hmm. the face changes yeah. when I let slip some little when you show your true colors a little bit too much Mm -hmm. um yeah i mentioned earlier that you know i'm not completely forthright about how i think about things like i'm not a true color just just to be clear Mm. like a true color doesn't mean like i think the opposite of some traditional widely held christian view it would be maybe uh expressing uncertainty right Uh, i don't know for sure if that's the case and yeah that alone, or that's enough. Just remaining agnostic about an issue might be enough to right. to blow someone's boxes open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. So I mentioned, you know, you just talked about forthrightness and and being used to that in academia. Uh, one thing to consider, I think, as well, and if you're on this deconstruction journey, maybe you've run into this where you've got now friends, peers, family that aren't on this journey with you or aren't at the same maybe stage, um, and aren't willing to go there with you and there can be a frustration in that where like for example when when my thinking on a particular issue has really changed there's a temptation to get up and and let's do a sermon series on this brand new idea this new way of thinking about it that I'm excited about and whatever and there's a question of wisdom there of are they ready to hear it um because like I think about myself 5 years ago I might not have had the patience to sit down and talk to me from today. I would have looked at myself differently and thought, oh, he's outside the box. I'm not going to listen to anything he has to say. I know, man. Oh, it's so hard. So there's sort of this necessary compassion that you need to have for people. My Overton window has shifted incredibly. That's right. I don't know who Overton was or what, (laughs) where he was looking at this naughty boy changing the windows. (laughs) Yeah, but that's right. I mean, yeah, like one one topic that came up like a, a few months ago I was reading an article by the scholar that I respect and they're wondering, oh, is, was Abraham a real person? Which, oh, that's a question we need to ask now. Well, yeah. I just didn't, I, I wouldn't even have considered that within the ballpark of a question you would ask mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Like, of course he is. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's in there. Yeah. 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 Right. And now I, now I, I'm at least, I can entertain that question without completely shutting it down mm-hmm. or putting that in the box of the unfaithful, the enemy, the attacker of scripture. Mm-hmm. I'm more like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if that's what is the truth of the matter. And these editors kind of like cobbled together some things and invented this story and to communicate an th- important theological message. And let's, I don't know, let's call him Abraham. Yeah. And it, it was passed down like an oral tradition and, yeah, it's just I'm I'm more comfortable with now. I don't know. Maybe you is real. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And but that I, I've found space to still feel like I have a vibrant faith and commitment to mm-hmm. our God as rescuer. Whereas I I wouldn't have been able to even take on that. Yeah. Worry. Yeah. Exactly, man. So. But so finding people that have your same window. Yeah, some overlap in your window. I would say, dude, that even um, if we can just, let's just keep using the window analogy throughout. It's working, yeah. That, I wonder how similar yours and I's are. 
I mean, yeah. I, I think we sometimes stumble across areas where we're like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there's a guarantee that you'll ever find a community where you all have the same exact. Right. But, but maybe, maybe within some right ballpark. Yeah. That's interesting. Because I've been thinking about what what does community look like for someone who's going through deconstruction? And I don't think that it's like... It's not as though you and I have arrived on the other side of deconstruction no. with now an untouchable worldview that then we need to present to people the right way of thinking about things. Instead, there is sort of this um, dance that we've entered into, a way of thinking about the world and interacting with ideas that we've started to take on a practice of de- and reconstruction that's sort of continually ongoing. And maybe the community, if there was to be one, built around deconstruction would be more around these kinds of conversations um, and less about finding a community that perfectly matches your window in this moment and instead find a community of people who get that there's a window that moves over time mm -hmm. and is willing to talk about how they see things, you know? Because you and I have been imagining like what, if we were going to plant a church campus or something, yeah. how would it be different? What would mm -hmm. we do differently? Um, and I, I have a soft spot for people who are going through this kind of, I would love to be part of a church or, you know, plant a church yeah. that welcomed the deconstructioning, the deconstructing person and um, created space for that whole journey. I almost hate to talk about it as a journey only because it implies like that I went through it and now I'm, I know. Yeah, I'm done the with the journey that? or that like, or that you're more advanced if you're further along the journey or something. I don't, I don't really like thinking about it like that. I know. More, more like a, I don't know what the right analogy is, but I'm trying to refer to change over time. But um, now this is an overused church word that may mm. come in handy yet again, and that's season. season. Uh, you've been in the season longer mm. of deconstructing. Could be. Yeah. Let's just uh, let's just linger there for a moment. This word, yeah, deconstruction. We I know we did a whole episode on it and like different metaphors to understand it. But I think it just deserves kind of coming back to every once in a while and just make sure, is, is that the right word to be using? I know, like, for example, some, it's been picking up a lot of steam in the broader Christendom community. Like, I would say most, at this point, most evangelical Christians are, like, kind of aware of that term and are worried about it, mm. right? We don't... Um, I saw like the Gospel Coalition put out this article, like um, how like a bunch of young people are going through deconstruction and losing their faith mm. or something, and mm -hmm. implying that a lot of times this road leads to agnosticism or atheism, or that it maybe necessarily leads there. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that term to be helpful, or like? Yeah, I do. Well, in that it's not. We're not calling it destruction. I think about one of the most useful analogies, I think, is like a Jenga tower. There is this building of beliefs that I've been constructing, and now I'm always constructing. And at a certain point, I'm starting to deconstruct, take some off mm -hmm. and go back a little bit, find a bedrock that I'm comfortable starting from where I don't need to pull bricks further down. But maybe I go right down to the foundation. Maybe I start with what am I and what is consciousness right. and I don't know how far you go. Um, and then reconstruction as well. It's not, 
I'm not totally devoid of beliefs. Mm-hmm. I believe some things, you know, about the world. Um, and it's not just wanton smashing of tradition. It's not just like, forget all of that, throw it all out, start from scratch. It's like, I want to carefully examine each each belief that is held and that is shaping my behavior in the world. Do you think there are different, um, just to use that Jenga tower metaphor, are there different ways that that deconstruction looks? So like, um, hmm. I mean, almost of course, but I'm just wondering, does anyone actually do this to the tower and then just start looking at the bottom blocks and then build up? Does that really happen that often? I don't think that's how I it happens. I felt like for you and I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it was more like, here's this tower. It probably was not as straight and nice as when it first comes out of the box. But I started to tinker yeah. with certain bits. And then there was this more like stripping down yeah. to the basics and then building. Yeah. there what, It was not for me this like push it all aside. No. That- all throughout, I retained... Little uh, vestigial organs of different, <laughs> yeah, beliefs from along the way, like and and you would find yourself discovering new implications for right new so ways of thinking. There oh, was hang a, on, there I was, guess that affects how I think about X Y Z as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. like for example, I mean, one of the first ones for me, way back, I guess like 2013, 2014, would have been like the whole Genesis account and mm-hmm. how to think of that with science. Yeah, uh, that. Relative, like I, I now see that that could have implications on communion, mm-hmm. in terms like some impl- some belief that I arrived to about the nature of scripture through that Genesis investigation would impact communion stuff. But I just wasn't thinking all throughout. Yeah. I had the same communion thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's not till later you start to realize, oh, there's dissonance here, and something needs to give. Right. Yeah. And I think I I find that I'm still surprised. Now, what, eight years into the process, there are still little things that... Little knickknacks and tchotchkes in the Prince yeah. mental house. Yes. Oh, as long as this thing been here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I... Well, like, no, that's my favorite, dude. I love when you and I have... I mean, we've only done it a handful of times. One of us will quote something thinking it's in the Bible. I'm like, eh, that's not in there. What did it's I like, say the other day? Oh, my gosh. That was funny. A, um, uh, being in the world, but not of the world. That's right. And I was like, you know that's not in the Bible, right? <laughs> what? How did that get in there? How long has it been living in there? Right. Yeah. Or the father turning his face away, all yeah. of that. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, for me, it felt like... Um, now, is that because we've lived rel- relatively privileged lives? What's that? The uh, what? That we could piecemeal tinker with our tower in, over a long time and well, in privacy? For me... Because um, <laughs> some people undergo... I would say like my wife, Sarah, um, less, less so about doctrinal like specific christian doctrinal things like authority of scripture and things yep. but she had pretty um traumatic family things happen like loved ones pass away that i mean she grew up catholic oh, and had this right. whole system yeah and that but, shattered it but like the problem of evil basically it was like oops yep and then so none of that's true because god is not good because he let this thing happen yep and so Totally, man. I think that can live be, and let live. I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah, I think I think that can be. But that's not de- like that. that's not really deconstruction. That that's not what we're talking about. That's a crisis of faith. Yeah, maybe deconstruction can lead to a crisis of faith. Yes, Decon- when you deconstruct Good. right back down to the bottom of the tower. 
That's right. You might find yourself feeling like you're having a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I know for me it was, uh, it was like, but it's more than, sorry to interrupt you again. That's okay. But it's more than just quibbling about peripheral doctrinal things too. It's not like, uh, I don't know if this counts as one, like I have my Jenga tower of religious beliefs and well, now I believe in consubstantiation about communion instead of transubstantiation. Mm -hmm. Well-meaning, fully faithful, not really doubting any yes um, significant support structures. You could be, be thinking retooling your worldview, which I did plenty of. But that's but that's also not quite. I no, wouldn't call that that's deconstruction not quite either. Because because I would say that's what I was doing through my teen years when yes. I'm flipping between Reformed theology and right. Arminianism and Molinism and like I'm, I've taken for granted this thing of like scripture and and basic Christian doctrine. It's these peripheral things like well then how does how does divine sovereignty and free will work yeah. and and all of that? It doesn't just mean questioning and no worldview building. It, yeah, yeah. At some point, though, all my rearranging leads me to, well, what if I took out this support structure and rethought how that works, and then that might give afford me all sorts of freedom to solve these problems up here right. if I start with a different foundation. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. And so I know for me it was like. A, I was doing plenty of that retooling all the time. And then I went through a period where I don't think I did too much retooling at all. And I kind of had it solved, the Christianity thing. And When was that? What's that? I would say from like age 18 through 25, 26, something like mm-hmm. that. I felt like, okay, I did my tinkering. I, I went and learned my natural theology arguments and I've got my foundation solid. Mm-hmm. I've, so, so, I've really thought about some hard problems like problem of evil and yeah, I've got my defense for that and da, 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 put it on the shelf and forget about it. And I remember having a sense, in fact, I can remember where I was, 2015, started uh, just a niggling sense that you're going to have to start to re-examine some of this stuff. I was like, ah, oh, that's going to be a lot of work. I can feel that I'm going to have to at some point, but I don't want to. Is that an Australianism? I can't. Um, what did I say? Uh, niggling, and I didn't like it. So. Yeah, niggling. You hate when I say niggling. I just listen. I get it's a sensitive set of syllables in this country. Everybody knows what I mean. A niggling doubt is a oh. doubt that is just eating at you. Okay. You know? Google right. it, mate. Urban a dictionary. Nagging, sure. nagging doubt. Yeah, we can say that. <laughs> nagging, niggling. I really think it's fine. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so I could kind of sense that this was was coming. Um, well, you're saying you remember the year 2015. Yeah, what was going on? Or oh, I don't. I, no, that's when I first began feeling like uh, I'm going to have to start re-examining some of this stuff. I don't remember what the catalyst was. Like there. a book, or maybe it was you. Oh dear, might have been you and some of the ideas you were bandying okay. about, and your um, Paul Mosarian okay, God as rescuer stuff. Some of our late night that I remember being shocked and offended by at first you know mm-hmm. i remember thinking and i remember you you went outside my window yeah i was saying because one of the implications of it is like the un, the unsuccess of natural theology mm-hmm. which was a huge part of that's your initial retooling that's right that's what allowed me to put it on the shelf and forget about it was i felt like i just laid tons of groundwork that was unshakable 
Mm-hmm. And here you came along being like, yeah, I don't know if natural theology works. Like, Excuse me, mate, because that's what's holding everything up. It's the same thing, dude, that, or well, I mean, and unfortunately, I guess I pass the virus along to you, but the same exact thing happened to me. Yeah. Coming out of seminary, like I studied under these guys. Yeah. William Lane Craig taught at Talbot and JP Moreland. It's like the bastion of Christian apologetics, yeah, Biola yeah. University. Yeah. And that, so I just thought like, all well-meaning, well-intentioned, godly people are on board with this. Mm-hmm. I'm in the company of saints. Mm-hmm. And then I get to Loyola and Paul Moser, who I've heard of him, and he came to speak at Biola for different conferences. But he comes in, and one of his whole shticks is, oh, yeah, like none of those arguments work, and <laughs> there's a whole different way, epistemology of God that we should all be focused on. Well, and it just that's so paradigm shattering, and, and that's yeah. not like even a, I wouldn't even call that a pillar of my mm-hmm. of, of most people's faiths, maybe. But it was right. it was central enough, or or it had um, it was load bearing for me. I had I, I had clad it in the armor of God. Yeah, in a way I had maybe put him in the support yep. place that he wasn't supposed that's to. That's right. Natu- he, the project of natural theology. Yep, it's my bastion against the enemy, the world, or the secular yep. uh, arguments that are trying to push doubt it down. in general. Doubt yeah. in general. It, for me, it was a, a vac- vaccine against doubt. That's why I yes. love natural theology. And then, so here's this like incredibly smart guy. He's my advisor. Like he's a position of respect in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just has really good arguments and ideas about this that are contra what I was taught the whole time. And he loves Jesus and is like, he's, you know. Right. He's, Yeah. He's not just a it, it heretic. Just, it totally shattered my Overton window. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. But man. in a way that um, it's interesting, man. I must have been close. It must have been like maybe right on the outskirts of what was acceptable because I still heard it yep. and entertained it. Right. You didn't. It was right on the border. You didn't though. reject him as heretic. Right. Forget what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Whereas yeah. I might, I might have, if it was like I don't know, a Buddhist guy had come in and said that. Yeah. Uh, no, well, who, well, who cares what he says? Of course, you would think that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And so I wonder too, kind of back to our like, who do you trust and mm-hmm. how to have conversations? For me, uh, a thing I've been thinking about recently is where am I on this person's Overton window? Am I, if I, if I am trying to be mm-hmm. a helper in this way as someone who's been in the season a little bit longer, I know you're not, you're cringing at like feeling like what you don't want to say you're advanced. You're right. But, but there is some texture of that to where like, I'm at least acquainted with what it feels like to mm-hmm. not know. You're someone who's in the swimming pool and you're yeah. like, no, the water is fine. Yeah. And that person hasn't jumped in yet. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But they're just as they're just as good a swimmer. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. that they don't know what it feels like. Great, yet. I love that. Yeah. Okay, that's helpful. <laughs> um, yep. So I just wonder. Uh, that that takes some pastoral, if you if you will, I don't know mm-hmm. if you will, Holy I'll Spirit look. discerning I'll of look. where where am I? Am I on the border? Am I outside it? And I just I probably should keep my mouth shut. Like though. putting yourself in their shoes. How are they going to see me? What's their boundary for acceptable? Like willing to hear mm-hmm. what I have to say. And how can I, how can I talk about these things in a way that maintains relationship, maybe nudges the needle? I don't want to be dishonest about what I think, but maybe I don't lay out everything right away, in order to keep the channel of communication open. Something like that. Right. 
<laughs> which and is I, funny I, because that's the exact way that like evangelical Christians would talk about evangelizing. Mm. <laughs> it's like keep the conversation, be their friend, relationship, all of that, and then gradually nudge them towards this new way of thinking or whatever it happens to be. I think the be. sociological principle... It still applies. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need whoever it is to be willing to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this case, it's almost... Um, it's not just relational. It's knowing... Because, I, well, here's what's tricky. Oh, man. So... I, there's there's a few particular examples from church world where I felt like I had really good relational rapport mm. and like we had a lot of the same interests. We were both interested in philosophy pretty deeply. But so all that was cooking and we're right there. It seems like you could talk about anything, mm. but my beliefs at the time were outside of his window yep. of, of acceptable belief. So I'm, I'm talking just on the intellectual level. Yep. I mean, you might jive with, you can talk about, the MBA all day and what the best places to eat around town are, but then you let slip something like, Oh, I'm not sure that, I don't know. The story of Noah is exactly mm-hmm. how it went down. Then that all of that might be thrown out the window that you had that rapport. Yep. And it's, Oh my gosh, that view is so far outside that it breaks fellowship. So knowing where you are on that can be tough to do. Tough yeah. to know. Yeah. Maybe that's a different episode, but wondering what things are worth breaking fellowship over. I guess that's different for everybody. What the thing that the straw that breaks their camel's back, you know, is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Just like we were saying with the different denominations, what's considered central and uh, you know, yeah. a deal breaker just changes for everyone. And I and I'm not. Um, so I should be clear. It's not as though I'm enlightened and that my Overton window has encompass the whole spectrum and i can take on all ideas oh, right there are some like particularly in politics where there are some things that get said that i i can't even really entertain it yeah it's just so beyond the ken for me that like yeah. i'll hear it and I, but it's I'm not, not gonna take it seriously no like yeah. you'll have some like prominent feminists let's say say something like all intercourse is rape right okay okay i i know some people hold that some people have that in their overton window and can entertain it and get in a big dialogue about it it's outside I'm, your window it's outside mine right now <laughs> i'm sure there are other things like that you know <laughs> it's just really hard for me to onboard yeah yeah one of the things i found difficult and painful through this is the asymmetry between uh like willingness to maintain fellowship. Like I found for myself, my mm. view of of what exactly counts as the kingdom of God is much larger than it, much broader and wider than it than it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And and so, in terms of like who I count as brother, that's a much bigger list than it has ever been. But that's not that's uh, not reciprocated necessarily in terms of somebody could deem me no longer a brother even though I still consider them yeah. a brother you know uh, it's difficult to to know that mm-hmm. somebody sees you now as not belonging to the family of God oh man I really feel like I do though but right. damn yeah that's maybe maybe we can close here with some of like what the costs that we've faced and maybe some of the quote unquote mm-hmm. benefits mm-hmm. not that I don't, I don't think these should be necessarily reasons yeah. to do it, but 
but I think truth, I think truth should be. Yeah. Yeah. So the cost of some friendships, uh, the cost of, yeah, perhaps, perhaps your faith community reputation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your reputation can be tarnished. People may misrepresent your view, especially if it's a nuanced view that's sort of best teased out in long form dialogue. And then you don't believe the Bible. You wouldn't believe what Clint said, dude. You know, yeah. That stuff will happen, and you can't, you can't control it. So mm -hmm. definitely on the relational side, there's been some cost. I would say almost inherently um, certainty, yeah, co confidence. That, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, I recall it's a bit. It's been a long time now, but I recall this feeling of assuredness mm -hmm. that was um, intoxicating mm -hmm. a bit. It felt really good to, I, to have that. Or to know the answer. I loved that. Mm -hmm. you know, if there's a situation where someone's teaching and asking questions, theological questions, I know the answer. Loved that. And that uh, when when they did push on one of the Jenga Tower structural mm -hmm. devices, you had the moral high ground. Yeah. Like, oh, you are unregenerate. You're not yeah. saved. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't believe the gospel. Of course. Oh, yeah. well, of course. Yeah, you don't get it. Right, you know. right. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a cost. Given up, given up certainty. Given up, I've had to become more and more comfortable with yeah, like I said before, the feeling of not knowing. More and more okay with. I would say going into the benefits, I think it has caused me to become a better listener. Mm -hmm. um, to why? Why did it have that outcome? That's kind of well because I. I recognize that just about anybody I'm talking to might have something to teach me here. Like I, I'm not in so many areas now. I don't presume to know. I, mm -hmm. I'm a genuine seeker. I'm interested in your perspective on the human experience. I want to know what what do you think. This experience you know? has broken certainty's hold on your life. Like yeah, yeah, and that's not to say that there aren't periods of panic or like, um, like like I said before. I remember when the structure when the brick is first getting knocked out it can be so disorienting distressing you don't know where the bottom is well just how many beliefs am i going to have to up up mm -hmm. end here um and and maybe i still have some moments of like i want to know that i know that i know and i want to have life figured out like i, I want to one-up the universe mm -hmm. in a way and if i could just figure it out whatever it is then I'd, i'll be okay um that still rises up from time to time but i have become more and more able to remain in a place of not knowing and living with a posture of trust instead. Hmm. Um, which I always used to think of as a cop-out, like when people would use the word mystery. I'm like, ah, oh, you're just a lazy thinker. You don't want to think. Just say it's mm -hmm. a mystery. And and now I find myself... Yeah, I just, still don't like that. You I still don't, don't like I, mystery I word? I don't like that word, no, as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd rather say... Well, just because it makes it sound unknowable. Right. And I don't know how many things are like that. Mm. But yeah, that are in principle unknowable. Mm -hmm. you I'd rather like, just say I don't, I don't know. I don't know at this stage. Rather than yeah. it possesses I, this ethereal quality that makes it unknowable. Can't be known. Yeah. 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 You feel like you've become a better listener at all? I do. I'm trying to think if I think that's a result of the mm. deconstruction or just being in pastoral ministry long enough. I'm certainly, I'm more willing to hear other people's perspectives than I have ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying before, if a, if a Buddhist had come in and told you about his God as rescuer theory, you would have tuned him out. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I would not tune him out. I'm willing yeah. to 
look for truth from anyone who will speak it to me. Yeah, and I, I guess I went through this process where a pretty deeply held conviction was overturned mm-hmm. from the words of another and through my own like assessment on those words yeah yeah and then my views changed mm-hmm. so that was a big landmark case of that happening in my life um where an overturning mm-hmm. of a previous thing that doesn't always happen right and so now moving forward i'm just kind of that's happened before you're I'm aware relatively that, used to it that can happen yeah yeah mm-hmm but I don't think we're just saying that, like that you're open for new data points. I think I heard you saying too, like that you're even just a better listener. You're more present with people, hearing their stories. Yeah. Is that part of it too? I or think, or I is that so. just being in ministry? I'm just or, maturing as a person and I'm less interested in myself than I used to be. Or yeah, something. maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's part of aging. But I think it's at least tied to. No, I've heard there's some old guys that'll talk your ear off, man. Yeah. And I don't know if you just get it with age. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And they might be one of the worst offenders. Fair enough. Well, that, but it is tied to that. Yeah, I have felt the need to say less. I'm, I'm more okay with saying less and not having everybody n- know my opinion on things. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with holding, with holding my opinion now. More okay than I was anyway. So I don't Fra- know. Frankly, I think, well, I would think part of that is the, just the overall stakes are a little bit lower mm-hmm. for being right. Yep. If I can be so bold. Sure. You mean once the hell piece is knocked out? Or given a whole different yeah. spin. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Sure. I agree. So I don't know if that's, I mean, to some, that would be a cost you've <laughs> thrown out. <laughs> and now I'm in danger of hellfire because of that oh, brick. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, benefits. Yeah. That I'm trying to think of something else. I would say, uh, similarly, but maybe slightly different is um, being uh, I've, I've now had access to a lot of different types of voices in Mm -hmm. my reading and Mm -hmm. collection of data. There was like this little core group and now that's just been blown wide open, more willing to, that seems like a huge boon. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Mm -hmm. Your, your sources of available information about the world and about reality has drastically expanded that's right which which is part of what can make it so frustrating of a process it's like oh gee like i remember because you know growing up i had no idea what buddhists believed and had no idea what muslims believed or hindus i didn't Mm -hmm. need to i have the answer i already know so don't even bother waste time figuring out what they think Mm -hmm. but going through deconstruction and attempting to leave no stone unturned like i want to know what everyone has been saying for thousands of years about this spiritual reality, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that many voices is what would result in feeling overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, there's so many conflicting views out here about how it can be. How can I ever sift through it all? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's just, I mean, I found that I needed to take breaks. I don't know if you did. There were periods where it's like, I'm, yep. just, I'm reading too much. I'm thinking about this all the time. Yes, I need to just listen to Hamish and Andy and not mm-hmm. engage on that's any of this comedy like, that's podcast yeah. a comedy Australian duo just something that's sort of mindless a little less dire mm-hmm. <laughs> until I'm ready until my curiosity is the main thing driving me and not like an anxiety Worry. yeah 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 that's really good cool. I think we should end it while okay it's on a high point like yeah. we're rolling so yeah. keep you wanting more <laughs> sure stay curious yeah, yeah that's what we say uh so much more to talk about about this and 
uh, I want to do this more often. Yeah. And just kind of periodically check back in on this topic. And mm-hmm. I think we, even just now, I, I feel like we turned back some additional layers. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of spontaneously having the conversation. And we'd love to hear about your experience. I know for a fact that a bunch of you listening are going through this. I'd love to know the good, bad, the ugly. What freaks you out? When do you, when are you driven by anxiety? Is it your mm-hmm. curiosity that's pulling you forward? What's the main? What was the um? What was the first domino to fall that that caused you to start pulling yeah. out other? You know, often we ask to hear questions, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't really care about what the questions are. Oh yes, yeah, st- stories. I want to hear like what have you been through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want. Um, because it can you can even be daunted by. It having to ask the question yeah. in an intelligent way. What if I sound dumb when I ask yeah. the question? Yeah. So I just, just I also I've been meaning to ask this too. I, I'm probably going to do it the next housekeeping at the beginning the beginning of the next one. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get a clear sense of who our audience is. You who know, this is you? starting to grow and yeah. get a bunch of views and what well, yeah, what what's your deal? What's your story? Where yeah. where are you from and what do you enjoy about the show? What are you going yeah. through at the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want whatever we're doing here to be relevant to you. Not that we can be all things to all people. We've right. got a lane that we're going to try and stick in. But if there's stuff you want to hear us talk about or you just want to share with us, you just need some solidarity, by all means, Absolutely. email the show. Yep. You can reach us at mailbag at opentotruth.com or you can leave a comment on YouTube if that's what you prefer. But mm-hmm. yeah, write in. We'd love to hear from you. Very Anything good. You, else? Can, you can read about ideas at the blog. You can. Subscribe at yep. opentotruth.com slash Subscribe. Yep. Weekly little uh, philosophical musings. Right to your inbox. Yeah. There you go. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story and um, we'll talk soon. See ya. Stay curious. See ya.